0: It's really hard to still think it's possible when you have all these subliminal messages about what a good mother or good father should be. But I think the most powerful thing is if you can try to have the conversation outside of your own head with other people, and ideally with like-minded people. And also when you're thinking about, I would love to have this senior role, it's advertised now, I'm three weeks into my maternity leave, should I apply or not? Then just have the conversation, and I would say, do apply, even if it's just for the fun of it, if you want to do it, of course. feeling shaky after maternity, or another long leave from work?
1: Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this comeback episode, we hear about the wobbly moments and successes of someone who's made a comeback. Jessica also hosts longer coach episodes, where we eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. My guest today is Verena Hefty, MBE, the founder and CEO of the social enterprise Leaders Plus. She's also the host of the Big Careers Small Children podcast, on which I've had the pleasure of being a guest, talking about how to progress your career when you work part-time. Verena has three children and we're talking when Verena is six months back from returning from her third maternity leave. Now, unfortunately, the sound goes a bit dodgy at Verena's end throughout our chat. It was a broadband dropping at her end. So please excuse that and please keep going because Verena has so much good stuff to share on how ambitious people can progress their careers whilst raising small children. Now, as you're listening, if you've got a question or want to tell me about your return to work please find me on Instagram using the handle at Comeback.com.uk because it's such a treat to hear from you. And did you know this podcast forms part of our Comeback Community employee experience designed to keep you feeling confident, connected and cared for when you take extended leave from work. If you think your organisation needs to improve the way it cares for people taking any kind of extended leave, I'd be super grateful if you'd tell your Head of HR or Chief People Officer about this podcast and send them a link to comebackcommunity.co.uk. Before we dive in, I'd like to say a big thank you once again to Raiden Solicitors, the award-winning Times Top 200 family law firm who have sponsored Comeback Coach from the very beginning. I'm truly thankful and absolutely love the way you encourage talented legal bright minds to work flexibly, even at the highest levels, and embrace people coming back to work after a break. Right, let's go and hear from Verena. Verena, it's so lovely
0: to be here with you. How are you? Not so I've been back from work properly for a bit more than six months. We had a nice plan and obviously as a return to work expert I thought I would make a nice plan and stick to it but it turns out that plan didn't quite go as I was hoping for because my little one was ill a lot and was in and out of hospital over the last few months since I started work properly. Oh and how's he doing now? He's Doing much better. He's been given some medication, so I don't mind saying he is one of those babies who keep having bronchiolitis. And so he was on oxygen probably four times since I started going back to work. But he's now much better. They're trying a new medication, and he hasn't been in hospital for four weeks, which to us, now to me and my partner, it feels like a luxury. It's like, oh, we suddenly have time to have normal life. We're not in and out of hospital. So so far so good. But it might be that we have to go back at some point. And isn't it just the case that
1: you just need to live sometimes a day at a time or a week at a time and think, in this moment, things are stable, things
0: are good. Exactly. And I learned the hard way that also you really just need to, in those moments of turbulence, you just need to concentrate on yourself. So obviously with a sick child, when you're starting to be back at work and you're already feeling Even I feel guilty, even though I don't have a reason to, but your child is screaming when you drop them off at nursery. Of course they are. And I think even in those moments, really prioritizing myself, I had to learn the hard way because once you've been in hospital for three nights and then you're expected to speak at a conference the next day, You have to prioritize yourself and you have to put yourself first sometimes, even before the needs of your baby. So my little one is breastfed. Somehow we couldn't get away from it. And (laughs) he and I seem to really enjoy it. And for him, it's very calming. So you can imagine in a hospital situation, I would want to feed him. But I took the decision to just have an afternoon off and go and sleep and organize someone else to look after the older children and my partner to go into the hospital and look after the baby. And that was the best thing ever. I think I only learned that because it was the fourth time in hospital rather than the first one oh I know exactly what you're talking
1: about having just spent in May alternating my husband 10 nights in hospital with our youngest and the day that she got taken in I had to go and be the compare or the chair for a conference I was really looking forward to doing and it was literally you know she'd just gone in the night before and then I thought something's got to change I've got to take a bit more time for myself because this is something chronic that we're living with so recalibrating so I know exactly what you mean about taking a bit of time for yourself now moving from your actual third baby to your social enterprise baby i am wondering how did you set the team up to manage without you because leaders plus is your baby
0: yes and it really did feel that way i hated to let it go I really did. I think I must have been an absolute nightmare in the last month before I went on maternity leave because I was just trying to hand over so much. So it wasn't easy, but it was the best thing ever. For the social enterprise, because for some reason what we do works. So, as you know, we run a fellowship program where we support leaders with babies and young children to continue to progress their careers. And and it works, it has a really significant impact, as we've seen when we did the evaluation. But I think we never quite figured out why it works and what were the important part of the processes and the not important part. So I sat down and forced myself to just write out some of those processes, write out some of the key decisions, who is making what decisions, what do we do if something goes wrong, what do I need to be contacted about and what do I not need to be contacted about. And that was extremely powerful. Now, having returned back to work and employing new people, it really helps me and it has definitely made me a much better leader, much, much more strategic
1: I was just wondering, because you spent the time documenting those things and working out all the different parts of your role, all the different parts of the fellowship program, for example, have you come back and are doing different things to what you were doing pre-maternity leave? So has your role changed, evolved? Well, the job
0: title is still CEO, but that's not what you asked. I think it has And essentially the reason why it has is because I've given more decision-making capacity to other people. I mean, now I look back and this was 16 months ago. Now I look back, I'm really surprised with how I thought I was the right person to make decisions because I knew what the vision was and how I wanted things to be done. And I think, and you might have to ask my team members, but I think now I'm much more clear about the type of decisions that other people need to make my role has changed as well in that now i do a lot more things for pr i also do a lot more forward thinking and long-term planning so i invest half a day a week and i only work four days i invest half a day a week as part of a help to grow course to define the future of leaders plus developing new products new systems new ways of working and that really seems to be fingers crossed paying off in that we're going to launch a new product for the NHS, or version for the fellowship for the NHS. And I don't think we would have done it in that way. It's quite different. And I don't think we would have done it in that way if I haven't been confident to invest time thinking. So basically, I've come back. My role has included now a lot more thinking than before, I would say. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Quite often coaches will
1: say, I just don't have the time to do the strategic thinking and they get stuck in the operational. So you've come back on purpose, quite deliberately being very intentional about what you return to. And I'm wondering, given that you have interviewed so many people for your podcast, and in fact, I was listening to Ian Dinwiddie this morning as I was out for a very early stroll. Ian's part of our coaching team. Great episode. I'm wondering, all of those guests, was there anything that you picked up that helped you to prepare for your leave that you could share here? So listeners here are getting the benefit of those golden nuggets too.
0: I'm sure you will hear this all the time from your coaches, but it's really powerful to be reminded that everyone finds transitions hard and returning from maternity leave is just a transition. And that is totally and utterly fine. And I did have some dark moments. I had someone resign during maternity leave and I didn't know what to do and how much to get involved with. And I felt so torn. How much did I check my emails? And how much should I just go to baby massage class with my little one? I had these tensions and knowing that everyone else has the same tensions, that was really freeing for me. Previously, I would have worried about how quickly can I get back to work? But I've interviewed quite a lot of people who are, let's say, at an advanced stage in life, whose children have flown the nest. And they all said to me, actually, Verena, if you want to take three months, fine, do that. And you'll thrive. If you want to take one and a half years do that in terms of your longer term progression it shouldn't have a big impact on your career and, and that really was true and I was very freeing I remember with my second I only took three months maternity leave because I was just in the startup stage of a new social enterprise but it was partly because of that and the other part was because I wasn't confident enough I hadn't done the podcast yet where I interviewed everybody else but it was really that I think it's that long-term view mm. of your career
1: yeah because careers can be really long and we can sometimes get very myopic can't we about the impact that taking another three months might take on our careers Mm. well okay you come across lots of ambitious people through the fellowship program as well and i'm wondering thinking about all of those people who you've met during that time what are the most significant sticking points do you think that are stopping them from having the career they want? And I'm thinking, outline the top things because you know this stuff, you hear this day in, day out, and I'd love to hear your
0: take on it. Hmm. It's very personal, obviously, but one that I see again, and I'm very good at spotting now, is when people negotiate in their own head with themselves about why something is impossible. So they might want to do a particular role and they might only want to do it part-time but then they convince themselves that it's not possible or they listen to unfriendly people in the media saying well actually only very sorry I don't know why I adopted a male voice that's very un- nice and uh, not nice me. Go for it. Like, so you know you hear all these messages about well, actually you should just slow down and why don't you just focus on your baby and then you let that convince yourself in your own head and you start thinking oh well actually maybe it's not possible and it's really hard it's really hard to still think it's possible when you have all these subliminal messages about what a good mother or good father should be. But I think the most powerful thing is if you can try to have the conversation outside of your own head with other people, and ideally with like-minded people. And also when you're thinking about, I would love to have the senior role. It's advertised now. I'm three weeks into my maternity leave. Should I apply or not? Then just have the conversation. And I would say, do apply, even if it's just for the fun of it, if you want to do it, of course. Yeah. So don't negotiate yourself out of something. And the other thing that is a common sticking point, which I see, is that people assume their line managers understand what it's like. And very often I see line managers, obviously we do sessions with line managers, as I think you do as well. Very often you see a line manager who really wants to help and be supportive, but they're making assumptions about what the individual wants. And that's the worst thing you can do. I've had situations where line managers took international travel work off from an employee because they assumed that a new baby didn't want to travel. And actually that's exactly what that individual wanted and they were really offended about it. So just being very open and honest. And even if you don't know exactly what you want yet, just sharing your freshest thinking is so important and saying with them, this is my freshest thinking. It may evolve, but here's my current situation. Yeah. It's not feeling like you have to have all the answers up front
1: before you start talking about it, but actually saying, this is what I'm thinking. Or to your point about a job coming up three weeks into maternity leave and not thinking, well, I can't apply for it because they're going to need someone to start at this point And I couldn't come back that early. You don't need to negotiate your way out of it. You know, have the conversation and see what can be done because actually you never know what's going on behind the scenes, do you? I say that to coaches all the time that actually if you threw your hat into the ring, they might say, okay, yes, we can hold this open because of some other changes happening that would suit us to not have this new person in post for another eight months. Yes, completely agree. Anything else that you see the major sticking points in ambitious people's careers when they happen to have small children?
0: I think another one is the gratefulness or the feeling that you have to be grateful. It's easier said than done, but I invite people to try not to feel like they have to fight for a place at work. So yes, at the moment, the workplace isn't set up for working parents. We're still operating in a 1950s environment where actually all of us who are at work, ideally, we would have a housewife at home who does everything from the school admin to the shopping and so on. But we don't. And I think if you are someone who is ambitious in your career and has young children, I really think you should just congratulate yourself for doing that and also acknowledging that you are being a pioneer there are not that many people who are progressing their careers with young children. So well done you for wanting to do it. Get yourself support, for example, from yourself. I think we've had plenty of conversations and you and I we were very aligned or obviously the fellowship or some other even Facebook group friends. Get yourself some support and do it. And don't feel like you have to be grateful for any flexible working that is offered. I mean, I'm not saying don't be grateful, but don't feel like it's a favor someone is doing you. You have a right to be there. You have a right to work and you also have a right to get to the most senior organizations because if we don't support parents' to progress their careers, and especially mums who are often held back, we are never going to get to that gender equality at the top. So just own that space and surround yourself with like-minded people and support who feel the same way. Completely agree. That psychological
1: environment that you create for yourself when you choose people to listen to, to hang out with, it can shape everything, can't it? And if you're around people who say, yes, you can, let's find a way, let's talk about it. I can introduce someone who's doing this in her organisation, you know, the art of the possible. I completely agree. Now, I'm curious, have you had any men go through the fellowship?
0: Yes, I'm very pleased. So at the moment, we have about 10% of the cohort are men in any particular cohort. I mean, I would love to have more, but I am very pleased that we do have men. At the beginning, lots of people said it should just be for women. And I was adamant it has to be men as well. And how do their challenges differ or
1: not from women's career challenges when they have small children?
0: I really like research and data, but there's less research on data on men. So I'll just speak from my experience. I think one thing that is a bit different is that the expectations are different so the eyebrows will be raised at different topics i have had not to dishearten any men listening to this but i've had men telling me who work in very big well-known firms that they have been told do you want to take shared parental leave or do you want to progress your career you have to choose which is obviously rubbish and i haven't heard that just once several times or are you sure you want to go for that promotion you want to work flexibly, you don't want to work too many evenings, maybe you shouldn't do that, maybe we'll take someone else. And the funny thing is employers seem to feel comfortable saying this to men, while for women, they know it's completely unacceptable. But for men, it seems to be acceptable. And then I think there's also something a bit positive. And in my experience, I find that sometimes men seem to feel less that they have to prove themselves. Not always, but they sometimes are a little bit bolder in asking for what they need. So one of our speakers, Chris Bryant, and I've done an episode on the podcast with him, he is quite open that he gets paid by outcomes rather than by hours. And he's he's a law firm partner. You can imagine he probably doesn't per hour, he won't get paid less just because he works part-time necessarily. So I think we can all learn from the many people, men and some women who just ask for what they need.
1: I agree. And I've been talking with several coaches recently, actually, about the idea of still being paid full time, but having a protected day off, because that's really in recognition of the fact that when they come back from leave, they're not losing any of their responsibilities. So they're still going to deliver as much and the high quality that they did before and they'll find a way to make it work. But they just want to have that protected day when they know they don't have to schedule meetings. They don't have to be on call and can be there with their child. And there are employers who are paying at full time, even though people are having that day off, if you like, because they're still delivering the same things. You've got to ask Mm -hmm. for it because no employer is going to just willingly give you that. Okay. Thinking about employers then, name some names. Who are the employers who are doing good things as far as big careers and small children
0: are going? It's really hard. I'm sorry, I'm not going to name names because I'm sure there are lots of good employers out there. I think if anyone is on a top family-friendly employers list, unfortunately, I've been in so many situations where I've had chats with employees from those employers that I really don't think, if you're looking for a job with an employer... That is amazing. I think what you want to do is you want to look for a line manager that is amazing and ideally an employer that values data and will report on inclusion. So I would look for someone that still does gender pay gap reporting. I would look for someone who, where you hear really good things through the grapevine about the line manager. That's what I would go for because it's the line manager that will make a difference, not necessarily the whole employer. I could name bad employers, but I don't think that's necessarily helpful. Let's let's not go there. (laughs) And you're so right. And even employers that have a good
1: reputation and let's say they have a good reputation and they have won awards deservedly so that you will still have instances of people having a really poor experience, which is usually down to the line manager. So you're absolutely right that it's about sussing out through the grapevine and if the organization is completely new to you I'll often say to coaches go and have a sniff around on LinkedIn go and reach out to some people and say could I have a chat I'm thinking about making an application or I've started the interview process I know you know this person and of what so doing your homework and sort of sniffing things out so that you can think is this going to be a good place for me to land absolutely
0: I think it's interesting though actually now I have said I wouldn't name anyone but one organization that we keep having fellows from and we keep having, this might get me into trouble. So I'll have to, might have to email you to edit it out, but Colart, which do art supplies. It's a global company, but they do art supplies. I've only ever heard good things from the employees directly. And I think that's the question actually. And actually also Orsted Energy. We've now had fellows over the years where we've only ever heard good things. And that's not the case, unfortunately, for everyone. Mm. Not by want of trying, but I think that's interesting when you get consistent feedback. So the other thing is if you're looking for someone to apply to, then I would check with more than one person about how supportive they are or how supportive that department is that you want to apply to.
1: Mm. Yes, more than one data source. So other bits of data sources then, best bits of advice that you've picked up from the podcast. I mean, You've got how many episodes now? About 90 episodes of the podcast, I think, or just shy of 90. Possibly, Possibly, yes. Well, Ian was 86 and I was listening this morning and I was pretty sure he was near the top. So out of that very big number of podcast guests, what bits of advice stick in your mind for making working parenthood work when you're Mm. in a big role?
0: Well, there's obviously a lot. And if you are interested, then listen and, and figure out what really raises to you. But the most powerful one is probably about money and about freedom. So I think it's a really good piece of advice from Christine Armstrong about making sure that you don't increase your spending with the level that your salary goes up, because then that means you have freedom. If you don't like the job anymore, you're not tied down because your children go to such expensive after school club activities. And I think that's a really good piece of advice because it means you have the freedom to do what you want both today and also in the future. And then the other really excellent piece of advice, I don't know if it's advice, but it's more of a role model. A lot of people that I talk to, they say they're really good at compartmentalizing where they are. So it's almost a mindfulness. So when they're at work, they will think of work and they will try their best not to think of the children, even though the children might be screaming at nursery, but let's face it, they're going to be okay. And when you are at home, you're going to try to have that mindfulness with the children and be present. And that requires training, I think, to keep that present and that one focus. But for me, that's one of the most powerful pieces of advice I received. I always strive to implement it. It's not easy, but in the moment when it does work, it makes a big difference.
1: I agree. And there's a piece of research on that I cited in my book with 48 jeweler earning couples in the US that says exactly that. When at work, focus on work. When at home, focus on family. So if you could wave a magic wand and create three societal changes to help women have gratifying careers and the home life that they want, apart from just being able to compartmentalize, obviously is an individual thing, rather societal thing, what would these societal shifts be?
0: This may not be what you've asked, but I think, and actually, I haven't seen this question in the pre work, so I'm answering this off the cuff. It's probably (laughs) because I didn't scroll down. It was there, I promise you. I promise you. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. I'm just saying, like, this is off the cuff. So if it sounds very bad, then, uh, you know, take it out. No, I love off the cuff. Yeah, probably didn't scroll down. Sorry about that. But essentially, one thing that I would love for society to do is to measure what we value. So, We definitely need to track the gender pay gap and there have been some legal requirements that have been removed and we need to make sure that is tracked properly. I would love it if we also found a way to track other elements of diversity, for example, class and race and so on, but also how many people with caring responsibilities are in senior leadership roles because we don't track that. And can you imagine if every employer on their website would have to show out of our executive board this many people, our parents, I think that would be extremely powerful. It would be amazing if we had a way to measure social value and purpose, because we are, most of us will be motivated by purpose rather than just money. Money, I'm sure we need it, and we need to have enough of it. And being on the poverty line is not fun, but having a purpose is really important. So if we could get a way of measuring what value an organization creates, both within the non for profit sector and the private sector, that would be extremely powerful. Then you can put it down to what value do you create as an individual in those roles. I think it would be great to have more organizations where people are self-leading. I do think that could make better workplaces. And I have, I'm just looking at my bookshelf to see if I can see the book title. I can't, but there's some brilliant books on organizations where teams lead themselves in all sorts of sectors from finance to caring and so on and I think the four-day work week actually which I'm sure you've advocated before would be a really good innovation to bring across not that it's necessary for everyone you don't have to be a part-time worker in terms of being a good parent but as a societal change it would be brilliant to have a four-day work week and only one percent of our salaries goes on high quality child care that would be the most important thing I think.
1: Yes, because we are paying hideous amounts of money. When I say we, I'm not anymore because obviously my children are older. You're right. Absolutely right. So considering you hadn't seen that question already, I think you just did a splendid job, Verena, answering that. So two more questions that you might not have seen because they were below that one. are yeah, I'll I'll bunch them both together because I ask all guests these questions. So one is, what was your lowest moment when you came back from this most recent maternity leave or your lowest or wobbliest? And what's been a high point that you can share with us as well since you've been back after this maternity leave?
0: I think the lowest point was definitely when I really trusted member of staff resigned that I knew had a lot of knowledge and I was tempted to come back early and that was just really really tough I was three weeks postpartum sitting in a park bench had her explain this to me but I decided not to go back early because I did decide and I knew for the business it probably would have been better to go back early but I didn't and it did have some negative impact on the organization but now that's what 16 months on from when this happened the organization is in a really good position. We've just had a really strong feedback. And even though it caused some really big challenges in the short term, I was able to turn it around later on. And I think what I was proudest was actually returning from maternity leave. I was thinking, I was talking to a coach like you and I was thinking, should I just let things coast and just do the bare minimum in order to survive? Or should I go out all guns and blazing and really try to grow this organization create a bigger impact I was umming and ahhing about it I went for the latter I did really try to grow the organization even though I was exhausted sleep deprived and a really important member of the team wasn't there and in the end we achieved the best ever impact results in the last three months we've had the most people apply to the fellowship program But I think what I'm proudest of is not that achievement. But when I had this conversation with my coach, and I think this is a great example for how important your work is, she actually advised me to just allow yourself to fail and say, okay, we're going to go all guns blazing. We're going to completely allow myself to fail. And this is what happens if you fail. And that was such a freeing thing. So I was almost free to play. I've worked very hard, but also I knew that failure was totally fine. And I had a plan B if I failed maybe it sounds jovial, me explaining, but for me, that was probably the biggest high point and really big shift in my thinking.
1: You were so free. And I just watched the smile on your face as you talked about that. That's fantastic. So inspiring. Verena, I've really enjoyed hearing from you today. So thank you for being my guest. And I wish you and the team at Leaders Plus and everyone involved continued success. What you're doing is really important. You know, I admire what you do. I think you're amazing.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, right back at you. I really enjoyed a chance to chat and let's keep talking, definitely. And all the best to you and your important work as well.
1: Thank you, Verena. Take care. Oh, Verena is a really amazing woman. No wonder she was given an MBE for service to equality earlier this year. I really hope you'll take to heart the idea of not negotiating your way out of an opportunity. And if in doubt, don't do yourself out, talk it out. Marina talked at the end there about how powerful she's found coaching in accelerating the growth of Leaders Plus, and there's a link to Leaders Plus in the show notes, and of course, that's included working on her mindset. Now, coaching is a powerful tool for making a confident comeback, reconnecting with your meaning and purpose, and fueling career progression. And if comeback coaching isn't offered where you work, definitely get in touch with me on email, jc at uk. We can help you make a pitch to your HR or leadership team for sponsorship. We've also got a one-minute film about the benefits of comeback coaching on our main website, which is talentkeepers.co.uk, and this is something you can send to HR. From the homepage, click on Solutions, and in that Solutions section, you'll also find a short film about our comeback community employee experience, of which this podcast is a part. We're working with organisations such as BlackRock itv lily's kitchen and many more so your organization will be in really great company thank you very much for listening and until next time stay bright and definitely check out the leaders plus podcast i'm episode 49 and my colleague ian is episode 86